you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's Wednesday, May 31st, 2023, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine, here again with your Daily News Roundup. On today's, we're talking Bitcoin, economic headwinds, the latest headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin, Ether, and most other risk assets are down in markets showing almost universally lower prices. BTC ran into selling pressure earlier this morning after a top U.S. Federal Reserve official said there's no compelling case to halt the central bank's rate hike cycle. The Fed's historic string of increases to the core interest rate, up a staggering 1,900% in just the last year, along with its reverberations through global markets, has been a primary driver of many potential catastrophes that have only been staved off by bailouts or other interventions. For example, pension funds nearly collapsed in the UK back in October of last year, the ongoing monetary policy-induced banking crisis of 2023, not to mention, of course, the continued bear market in cryptocurrencies specifically and risk assets more broadly. Quote, I don't really see a compelling reason to pause, Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland President Loretta Mester told the FT in an interview published this morning. She continued, I would see more of a compelling case for bringing the rates up and then holding for a while until you get less uncertain about where the economy is going, end quote. Her remarks help send the U.S. dollar higher and risk assets lower. And it's worth noting that she's not wrong. Rates should be higher. But the thing that's glossed over is that rates should always have been higher. And to the extent that they were lowered to the degree that they were, that should have been an extremely temporary phenomenon to avoid the exact consequences the critics at the time predicted and which dominate our world today. This story reminded me of comments made last year by the head of the San Francisco Federal Reserve, who, when asked about record high levels of official inflation, said something to the effect that, although it existed, it wasn't causing her any problems, because she had enough money, and many people had enough money. That may have been true, but it misses the point in a very let-them-eat-cake sort of way. Many people do not have enough, and even if the economy itself needs higher rates, which it does, the pain that's been and will continue to be caused by such haphazard moves is extreme unnecessary and falls mostly on those in the U.S. and around the world with the least financial ability to navigate it. The financial doctors, so to speak, having kept the economy's leg in a cast for years instead of the months needed to heal the break, now extol the virtues of vigorous exercise while failing to acknowledge the atrophied limb is in fact the direct result of their malpractice. But I digress. Elsewhere, ProShares Bitcoin Futures Exchange Traded Fund, or ETF, is increasingly underperforming Bitcoin this year, diminishing its appeal as a vehicle for betting on BTC's price appreciation. That's according to digital asset research firm K33 in a new report. 
The price of ProShares Bitcoin Strategy ETF, also known on the ticker as BITO, has risen 47% year-to-date, trailing Bitcoin's 60% gain over the same time period, K33 Research noted. The underperformance stems from the costs associated with the fund structure. The ETF does not purchase tokens, but instead holds Bitcoin future contracts on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, or the CME. The fund must roll over those contracts every month as they expire, making it vulnerable to the price difference between terms. If next month's contract trades at a premium to the nearest expiration date, a phenomenon called contango and typical during bull markets, over a sustained period of time, the fund will compound its losses due to what's known as contango bleed. When the ETF started trading back in October of 2021, several observers predicted that the fund might underperform the spot market by 10 to 13% annualized, Coindesk reported at the time. In its first year, the fund trailed Bitcoin's performance by only 1.8%, as the crypto bear market helped to mitigate that phenomenon. But this year's rebound has exacerbated the fund's vulnerability to those rolling costs, as the CME future markets return to that phenomenon that causes those higher costs. The performance gap during this year's first five months alone has already reached that level that critics predicted would cover an entire year. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, or SEC, has consistently denied applications so far to list exchange-traded funds that would directly invest and hold Bitcoin, despite industry players advocating that would be a superior product for consumers. The underperformance, quote, illustrates the shortcomings of futures-based ETFs compared to spot ETFs, and how the SEC's rigorous stance against direct BTC spot ETFs harms investors, end quote. Investors should not expect this trend to end anytime soon, a senior analyst at K33 said in that note, quote, the strong-term structure remains an issue for the viability of using the ETF as a tool to maintain long exposure, end quote. As an aside, it's worth taking a moment to consider why the SEC might prefer futures-based ETFs to spot ETFs with all these problems. Their stated reason is, essentially, that the underlying market for Bitcoin could be manipulated, while futures based on the market, since they're run by regulated futures exchanges, are safer instruments. On its face, that actually makes little sense. Futures obviously are bets on the underlying market movement, so whatever distortions or manipulations exist in Bitcoin markets would obviously carry forward to the futures. It's worth noting also that other nations have long had spot ETFs and there have so far been no allegations of manipulation in the way that the SEC has articulated its concerns. So on its face, the explanation makes little sense. But broaden your thinking, don't take them at their word, dig just a bit deeper, and there is a narrative that seems somewhat obvious. Bitcoin, in many ways, is only interesting because it represents a neutral form of international money that could replace the need for a currency issued by a particular nation to be used as a global reserve. The U.S. currently jealously guards that privilege of issuing the reserve currency, which it has increasingly weaponized in the modern era to punish its political adversaries. The nature of how the dollar is managed means that it is necessarily inflationary, which means it's constantly losing value against real things that you'd like to buy with it. Markets, of course, are all about buying something that you think is less valuable today than it will be in the future. So it's natural that as this process continues, we'll see growing interest and exposure to Bitcoin, which has a notoriously fixed supply. And that is the problem. Bitcoin right now and historically is hard to purchase in custody directly, whether because of logistics or rules. And so an ETF vehicle is desirable because it makes investing in the assets simple. So the important question to consider here is, what would happen if $100 billion worth of investment goes into a Bitcoin ETF? The answer differs pretty intensely based on its structure. In a futures-based ETF, buyers are effectively betting on the price of Bitcoin without touching Bitcoin itself, which means that $100 billion would potentially drive up the cost of placing those bets, but not a single Bitcoin would actually change hands to facilitate it. It is a purely synthetic instrument. On the other hand, if it were a spot ETF, then every dollar coming in, the ETF would have to buy a dollar worth of Bitcoin, making that unavailable on the market. 
So $100 billion of ETF buying would be $100 billion of additional demand for the asset itself. It's the sort of dynamic that could easily cause a virtuous cycle, where more investment in the ETF pushes up the price, which then pushes up interest in the ETF, and so on. And that is the cycle that, in my opinion, the SEC is doing whatever it takes to avoid, even if it means the investors they say they're here to protect are actually in an inferior vehicle. And so the beat goes on. Bitcoin is currently trading at $27,160 per token. That's down 2.8% over the last 24 hours, while Ether is trading at $1,871 per ETH. That's down a bit more than 2% over the same time period, according to the Coindesk Market Index. And speaking of the Coindesk Market Index, we're looking at an absolute reading this morning of 1,206. That compares against yesterday's reading of 1,238 and represents just above a 2.5% loss across top trading tokens on the day. Taking a quick look at TradFi, equity markets around the world are lower, with just a few exceptions. And notably, that's NVIDIA, the dominant graphics card maker, which has been on an absolute tear recently as the AI era heats up, and the company looks poised to power much of it. But still, it wasn't enough to hold up indexes. In the U.S., the Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 each fell by about half a point, while the Nasdaq Composite broke even, thanks to NVIDIA. In Europe, the trend was the same, but worse, with all three of the Stock 600, London's FTSE 100, and Germany's DAX down between 1 and 1 and a third percent. In Asia, same story with more extreme fluctuations. China's Hang Seng Index fell by 2%, while the Shanghai Composite dropped by more than half a point. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 fell 1.5%. In commodities markets, Brent Crew, that's the international benchmark for oil, fell by 3.5% to $72.91 per barrel. Gold, meanwhile, was the only winner today, up by one-third of a point, currently changing hands at $1,981 per troy ounce. And of course, First Republic, our ongoing indicator of the monetary policy-induced banking crisis of 2023, gave back all of yesterday's gains, dropping by more than 11% to trade just above 27 cents per share. Can't get much lower than it's going right now. But we're still here. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from MarketWatch. Stay tuned for after the break, we're going to take a look at some top headlines. We'll be right back. The stupid, painful game of debt payment musical chairs may be over very soon for those with student loans, and not in a way that's going to make anybody happy. As part of the debt ceiling agreement between President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, they agreed that, lacking an act of Congress, student loan payments which were suspended for about three years will be resuming by September at the latest. The agreement does not block the Biden administration's plan for student loan forgiveness, which is currently being held up by the Supreme Court, where it is expected to fail on constitutional grounds. As many predicted, it really does look like this was just an election year promise. The only good news here is that the payments which were skipped over for the past three years, unlike eviction moratoriums, are not cumulative, so there isn't an enormous check due for each borrower. But there is a staggering $1.1 trillion worth of loans which stopped making payments out of the total of $1.7 trillion. And with those payments now set to resume, disposable income for a large proportion of U.S. citizens may be headed lower. The New York Federal Reserve shows that the average monthly student loan payment is $393, and for those who took advantage of the program, they deferred an average of 39 months' worth of payments, which amount to roughly $15,000 per borrower in additional discretionary income over the last three years. And that means, of course, that when loan payments restart, some may have to cut back on their discretionary spending. As the folks with student loans typically prioritize experiences over goods consumption, we can expect a significant impact on the demand for services. This has become even more critical since services have been the primary support for even official metrics of the U.S. economy, while goods spending has already declined. The effect on consumer spending, personal finance, and the broader economic landscape are all factors to watch closely in the coming months, especially as we get towards the fall. Zero Hedge has more details on this one in the show notes. 
In other economic landscape news, the UK is on track for a second summer marked by strikes as the persistent and challenging cost of living crisis continues to wreak havoc on household budgets. Inflation has not cooled down even by official metrics as it has here in the US, although it is still quite elevated everywhere. That's indicated by annual inflation metrics, which came out yesterday showing shop price inflation increased to 9%, a new high for the index. Some policymakers are now exploring desperate measures like implementing controls on food prices, which of course, while they always sound like a good idea, will just exacerbate the issue without addressing the underlying problem causing it. Meanwhile, high inflation has led to widespread strikes across the country as workers demand higher wages. It's another reminder that the U.S. convinced its allies to punish Russia by cutting off cheap energy imports going into Europe. The cost for European allies has been great and is ongoing. This is one from Zero Hedge as well. Turning to international news, Tether, that's the issuer of the stablecoin USDT, has reportedly invested in an energy production and sustainable Bitcoin mining facility in Uruguay. The company says that they expect the mining facility will start operation in the middle of the third quarter. That news comes after the firm laid out plans earlier this month to allocate part of its profits to Bitcoin investments, including regular purchases of Bitcoin and funding infrastructure. It's also a reminder of just how good a business it is to be in stablecoins, where you essentially take dollars, give back tokens that represent dollars, and then get to keep all the profit from investing those dollars into treasuries or other forms of investment typically seen as risk-free. It's nice work if you can get it. Coindesk's Christian Sandor has more on this one. Meanwhile, a Texas state bill that would have limited Bitcoin miners' participation in cost-saving grid programs has not moved past committee in the State House of Representatives. Texas Bill SB 1751 passed through the state Senate unanimously back in April. The bill would have limited Bitcoin miners' ability to participate in demand response programs, under which they get paid in credits to turn off operations when the power grid sees a demand surge. The bill would have limited that to just 10% participation and abolished tax abatements for the industry. Texas is one of the biggest Bitcoin mining hubs in the world thanks to favorable regulation and cheap energy. That means the status of this bill is being watched very closely by industry players, as its passage would have served as a direct threat to business operations. The failure of the bill to move forward comes on the heels of federal policymakers and politicians posturing on Bitcoin and crypto issues as we enter yet another election cycle. Progressives like Elizabeth Warren have said that they're building an anti-crypto army, while conservatives like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis have come out strongly against central bank digital currencies that do not yet exist. So, if you were under the impression that crypto wasn't politicized, it might be time to reconsider that thinking. Coindesk's Eliza Gritzi reports. And finally, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission settled charges with a former Coinbase product manager and his brother tied to 2022 allegations of insider trading on certain cryptocurrencies listed by Coinbase, the regulator announced yesterday. The brothers were arrested last year on charges of wire fraud, conspiracy, and quote, wire fraud in connection with a scheme to commit insider trading, end quote. On the same day, the SEC brought insider trading charges. In Tuesday's announcement, the regulator said that the two agreed to disgorge their gains and pay interest on them. Both brothers pleaded guilty to DOJ charges, with one now facing a two-year sentence and the other serving a 10-month sentence. The SEC said that the brothers' fines from their criminal cases satisfy the civil cases settlement, and it would not seek other penalties. Coindesk's Nick Day has more on this one. And that's our show for today. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments, send the show an email at podcast at coindesk.com or you can email me directly at adamlevine at coindesk.com. If you like what we're doing, we always appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts or your preferred listening platform. Have a great rest of your day and we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Markets Daily. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.